So, well, good morning and welcome to the Florida State University Board of Trustees meeting. Uh, thank you all for joining us virtually today on short notice. I'm going to ask Heather Mayo to please call the roll. Thank you, Chairman. <laughs> Trustee Alvarez. Here. Trustee Ballard. Here. Trustee Birmingham. Looks like she's about to join. Uh, Chair Collins. Here. Trustee De La Suevas Diaz. No, she's here. Yep. Uh, Trustee Hitchcock. Here. Trustee Gonzalez. Here. Trustee Henderson. Here. Trustee Roth. Here. Trustee Sargent. No, she's here. She's on mute. Here, I'm here. Vice Chair Sasser. Here. Trustee Thiel. Here. Trustee Weatherford. Here. And I see Trustee Birmingham. Thank you. You have a quorum. Thank you, Heather. Uh, next, we're going to hear public comments. I'd like to remind everyone to please limit your remarks to no more than three minutes to give all those interested an opportunity to speak. Uh, do we have any members of the public who wish to speak today? We do not have any requests to uh, address the board today, Mr. Chairman. Okay, thank you, Mr. Schnicker. Um, next, I'm going to read our ethics and conflict of interest statement. I begin our meeting with a reminder to board members about our ethics policy and obligations imposed by that policy in Florida law. Trustees are public officers of the state of Florida who are invested with the public trust and appointed as fiduciaries of the university. The Board of Trustees ethics policy that governs our conduct requires us to disclose any conflicts of interest present for any trustee, trustees family member, or trustees business associates, as those terms are defined by the policy. Having reviewed the agenda for today's meeting and having had the opportunity to consult with the general counsel and the ethics officer about any potential actual or perceived conflict, does any trustee wish to disclose any matter that may impact his or her ability to discuss our vote on any agenda item? Okay. Well, good morning, uh, trustees, and welcome, Mr. President, and welcome, uh, VP Alford. Um, thank you all for meeting on short notice to discuss an issue of great importance to Florida State University and Florida State Athletics. As trustees, each of us are fiduciaries of the university. As fiduciaries, it is our duty to act when we believe the future of the university is under challenge. I've asked you here today because I believe FSU Athletics is under challenge, requiring action on our part. While the board has discussed the relationship with the ACC for the past few months, we have been criticized for having those discussions publicly. What many people critical of our discussions don't know is that in Florida, we have the Sunshine Law, which dictates that any discussion such as this must be held in a public forum. Of course, we would rather have these conversations privately, especially when it's related to legal action, but we cannot. So for those who may again criticize us for our public meeting today on this, I would simply say that under Florida's constitution, Actions such as these must be approved by the Board of Trustees, and we must discuss and take these actions publicly. Florida State University has had a 30-plus year affiliation with the Atlantic Coast Conference in Athletics. During this time, we have won three national football championships, 16 conference football championships, as well as 91 other conference championships in sports, including baseball, basketball, golf, soccer, softball, and track and field. Florida State has averaged 11th in the Learfield Directors Cup national rankings over the past five years for all sports combined. And our women's sports have ranked in the top five nationally for the last four years. Perhaps most unique is that last year, Florida State was one of only four FBS programs with a top 10 football program 
while also being ranked in the top 20 of all public institutions academically. There should be no debate that our brand, media value, and competitiveness across all sports are among the very best in collegiate athletics. When FSU joined the ACC in 1991, the gap in revenue between teams in some of the then Power Five conferences and the ACC was less than $7 million annually. Florida State has always been able to overcome any such deficits through internal fundraising to make sure its programs are funded at elite levels. In fact, if you took the value of the various conference TV contracts out of last year's athletic budgets in the NCAA, Florida State's budget was the seventh highest in the nation. Unfortunately, at the same time, Florida State's annual payout from the ACC is the smallest in percentage of any school's overall athletic budget in the conference. Next year, the funding gap will, between the ACC and the two other conferences will grow to over $30 million per team per year. It's one thing to fundraise and make up $7 million. It's another entirely to annually make up over $30 to $40 million. As an institution, FSU cannot be expected to sit idly by while this gap grows. Or, as one of the other athletic directors in the conference said earlier this year, stop barking, pay your exit fee, and wait 13 years for your grant of rights to be up. I think everybody involved at Florida State expects much more from this board than to follow that advice. General Counsel Egan and our outside attorneys have been reviewing the ACC's grant of rights and other ACC ESPN-related documents for well over a year now. Agents of the university have made several trips to the ACC's offices to fully review and understand these documents. While we were reviewing these various documents, we stepped up discussions with the ACC regarding and how it could and should increase revenue for its most valuable brands. We've pushed for unequal revenue distribution based on media value to the conference, and I can safely say that but for Florida State and a couple of other schools, the ACC would not have created the recent success initiatives for football. Today, we've reached a crossroad in our relationship with the ACC. We are faced with the fact that the ACC is locked into a deteriorating media rights contract at revenues far below other conferences. The ACC leadership is also not interested in further negotiations on unequal revenue sharing or larger success initiatives. More recently, the ACC voted over Florida State's objection to add three new teams that add no additional pro rata media value to the conference. In fact, these additions will more than likely reduce the per team payouts from the conference after the next contract is executed. At the same time, the ACC has the most draconian financial withdrawal penalties in college sports put in place over a decade ago to keep schools from withdrawing. I don't use draconian flippantly. Today, while the ACC bylaws and constitution still allow for withdrawal, this ability is nothing more than a mirage, as it would cost any member over a half a billion dollars in direct fees and lost revenues today to leave. These penalties were put in place over a decade ago. The grant of rights was put under lock and key at the league office. And only when the financial underperformance got large enough did schools start to request to view it, ask meaningful question, questions, or begin to ponder its legality. I believe this board has been left no choice but to challenge the legitimacy of the ACC grant of rights and its severe withdrawal penalties. None of us like being in the, this position, and I know the president and our athletic director don't like being in this position. However, I believe that we have exhausted all possible remedies within the conference, and we must do what we believe is best for Florida State, not only in the short term, but in the long term. People outside of FSU may suggest that we are taking action now because of what happened in the college football playoff committee's selection of the final four teams. They will say that we're just bitter and we want retribution. 
First, I would say that leaving Florida State out of the playoff was absolutely wrong, a travesty on college football and an insult to FSU's players and coaches, as well as the ACC. Second, I would say our actions today are less about the events of the last two weeks and far more about the actions of the ACC leadership over the past 10 years and what confronts FSU and the ACC over the next 13 years. All of you received the final version of the legal complaint a few days ago and have had individual briefings in the last couple of months. Today, we're going to hear from our outside legal counsel, Greenberg Traurig, represented here today by Mr. David Ashburn. Mr. Ashburn will go through the main points of the complaint and the individual counts in the complaint and answer any remaining questions that you have. David, thank you for being with us today and thank you for your firm's work on this over the past year. I'm gonna turn it over to you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I am David Ashburn, the managing shareholder of the Tallahassee office of Greenberg Traurig. And it is truly a, a privilege and an honor to work with you all on this uh, difficult and challenging matter. Uh, the chairman, I think, laid things out extremely well, that this is not a, a recent reaction. This is a matter that's been building uh, for some time now. And I'd like to spend just a couple minutes going back through that. Uh, first off, a fundamental background uh, to this matter is that the ACC has a constitution uh, and bylaws and is also in court filings made commitments. It's committed to generate substantial revenues, to foster quality competitive opportunities for student athletes and championships, to maximize athletic opportunities and to be at the forefront in athletic achievement. And unfortunately, uh, the ACC has failed in all those respects. The ACC and ESPN first entered into a media rights agreement in 2010. Uh, in 2011, uh, at that time, there was no withdrawal penalty. In 2011, the ACC amended its constitution to impose a withdrawal fee of 1.25 times the ACC's annual operating budget. Put that in the constitution, and it purportedly made some estimation of what the damage to uh, the conference would be were a member to leave. Uh, pretty quickly, uh, in 2012, uh, ACC and ESPN renegotiated some of those terms uh, in that uh, 2010 agreement. It only addressed tier one rights, and it put in place a, uh, uh, a payment of approximately $12 million per member uh, in place for 15 years. The only increases were to be a 4.5% annual increase, made no uh, allowance for any type of market condition change, uh, and stuck the ACC with uh, that level of payment. Uh, pretty quickly in September 12 of 2012, the ACC again amended its constitution. This time they increased the withdrawal fee by 240% to three times the actual operating budget. There was no pretense, no argument about how this supposed damage to the conference had increased by 240% in just a, a year. Uh, but nevertheless, that, that number was imposed. Even at that number, which in, in practice, given the ACC's budget at that time, was over $52 million, that was not enough to keep Maryland from leaving uh, the ACC to join the Big Ten. The ACC reacted very quickly to file suit against Maryland, and uh, uh, that suit is where uh, we have some valuable information in terms of the ACC acknowledging uh, the, its contractual rights, and more importantly, the court acknowledging and specifically labeling the uh, withdrawal fee as a penalty. And that's gonna be important for reasons we'll discuss in our uh, counts of our complaint. 
in 2013, the ACC adopted the, the uh, grant of rights and also made it effective through 2027. Um, unlike the withdrawal penalty, the ACC did not amend its constitution to put the grant of rights in place. This was uh, materialized in secret and put in place, um, uh, and none of the members, and this is also important for our complaint, received any consideration for entering into this grant of rights. And most importantly, uh, with respect to the, the damage that this causes to members who choose to exercise their fundamental constitutional right to withdraw, is that it provides that the media's member rights are still owned by the ACC, even if they leave the conference, virtually, as the, as the chairman said, uh, barricading the door to any withdrawals. In 2013, also, uh, the ACC members learned that ESPN is negotiating uh, with the SEC to create and launch an SEC uh, prestige network. Um, the ACC and its cult consultants, uh, at the request of the members, who also wanted to have a prestige network, uh, made the case to the, to the uh, ACC that such a, a uh, network should be developed. At this point, we're already seven years behind the Big Ten, which had had a prestige network since 2006. Uh, that SEC, ACC, SEC, ESPN effort uh, culminated pretty quickly in a uh, prestige network uh, for um, uh, for the SEC, and that launched in August of 2014. Um, in the meantime, in June, uh, ASC, the ACC and ESPN entered into a second amendment of the tw 2010 ESPN uh, agreement, and it also encompassed only Tier 1 rights. It did include a non-binding framework for the ESPN launch of the ACC network. Once again, uh, the ACC is getting something that's non-binding and not a meaningful consideration. In June of uh, 2016, the ACC members are told uh, by, the, by the ESPN that that network, the Prestige Network, is not going to launch for another three years, once again delayed. And even at that, the expectation is we'll now be five years behind the SEC and 13 years behind the Big Ten in developing that Prestige Network. Also, uh, in June of 2016, the ACC represented to its members that ESPN had issued an ultimatum that unless the members extend the grant of rights from 2027 to 2036, ESPN will enter no further media agreements with ACC. Uh, FSU agrees to the extension of the grant of rights based on this representation, based on the expectation that it's being told uh, the truth about an ESPN ultimatum. Uh, we don't believe that holds water. Um, in July 2016, uh, the ACC and ESPN did replace the 2010 ESPN subsequently amended, subsequently amended multimedia agreement and entered into new uh, network, and, uh, Tier 1 and Tier 3, meaning the Prestige Network, agreements. Under those agreements, the ACC does not get better payments for its Tier 1 rights. Instead, the ACC locked its members into rates negotiated in 2012 uh, through 36, 24 years. So the ACC is stuck with the same uh, revenue package for 24 years. In the meantime, the other Power Four conferences have negotiated far more lucrative media rights agreements with shorter terms. In fact, both the uh, Big Ten and SEC uh, agreements with ESPN will terminate 
uh, two years and four years prior to that 2036 uh, uh, ex expiration. Um, importantly, that uh, that ex that uh, uh, right to extend the contract from 27 to 2027 to 2036 is unilateral for uh, ESPN. In other words, we're locked down. We have no, as a conference, ability to go out and negotiate any better deal with anyone else until we find out if the ASPN is going to exercise that nine-year option. And so we have actually no guaranteed payments during that period. But the option is to not increase the payments to uh, the ACC, but again, leaves in place that 2012 negotiated number or, or metric through 2036. Again, 24 years. We simply don't think the... Uh, ultimatum that was represented to the ACC members um, makes any sense. Uh, the fact that neither the tier one or the network agreements that were negotiated uh, include any reference or incorporate the 2016 grant of rights, which you, you would expect in the event that those, that ultimatum produced agreement and the grant of rights was so critical. Also, the fact that the 2016 ESPN agreements specifically contemplate the withdrawal and addition of members without any financial repercussions as long as the ACC has at least 15 members. So there's no need for the ESPN agreements to address withdrawals and additions if the ACC has to own all those media rights through 2036. In August of uh, 2019, finally, the ACC network is launched. That triggers a requirement that the AC that ESPN uh, exercise that nine-year option within two years. Two years comes, and instead of requiring the ESPN to either uh, either extend as they're able to under the agreement or negotiate another agreement, inexplicably, the ACC commissioner signed an amendment to that 2016 um, agreement to, ex to expand that option window to February of 25. The ACC and its members got nothing, no consideration for agreeing to that additional time to exercise that, uh, what we believe to be um, harsh uh, expansion. Um, in the meantime, 2021 and 2022 other Power Four conferences expand, sign far more lucrative media rights agreements. Uh, in June of 23, USC and UCLA leave the Pac-12 and big for the Big Ten, followed by Oregon and Washington. And then in September of 23, over the strenuous objections of FSU and other ACC members, the ACC added three members. The new members are widely respected academic institutions, but not strong tier one media appeal, don't have strong tier one media appeal in football. Uh, and as the, as the chairman said, the result of that is to actually diminish the uh, bargaining power of the uh, ACC for its media rights. So what's the sum of all that? Uh, um, the sum of all that is we and we presented this in graphic form. Are we able to project that on the screen? Yes. Okay. All right. The sum of all that is it depicted in this uh, in uh, this chart and graph. So in 2010, we start out. There is no penalty for a member to leave. In a short couple of years, it go it goes to over 21 million then to 20, 52 million. And important, I think it's important here to note that what's the constraint on the increase of that penalty at three times the operating budget? None. We see none. 
the ACC could substantially expand its budget and then take the position that that penalty is even greater. Then we come to 2013 with the grant of rights, which essentially locks up the members' rights. And if at that time you had determined what the uh, penalty package would be uh, to the to a, a withdrawing member, it was over $234 million. But today, because of the grant of rights, because of locking up our our rights for so long, a 2023 withdrawing member is subject to a penalty package of over $570 million. So let's talk about our um, our, our complaint and what our uh, counts are in that complaint. First off, uh, we uh, first off we are alleging that the uh, the penalty package, both the grant of rights individually and in conjunction with the severe withdrawal penalty, is a violation of Florida statutes. Under Florida law, agreements in restraint of trade, and these certainly are in restraint of trade, given that we have no ability to exercise a fundamental right of withdrawal, uh, they don't fit any exception that's in the statute. So given that there's no exception and given that it's a contract in restraint of trade, it violates Florida law. This is a restraint of trade. Sometimes people refer to it as antitrust as well. The second count we have is that this is an unenforceable penalty. Both the grant of rights individually and the severe withdrawal penalty are collectively a, um, a, an unenforceable penalty. Under the law, parties can agree in advance in their contracts to estimate what damages would be in the event of a breach and you've often heard the term probably liquidated damages, and that's intended to approximate what the harm is to the party is harmed by a breach of the contract. Um, what you can't do is you can't put in place a penalty that bears no relationship to the harm caused. Courts give a little bit of leeway on these things because they're you're estimating something early in time, but this blows far past any notion of harm to the conference. Uh, in fact, with the addition of the three members, the only uh, the only reduction in the ESPN agreements would be the share that FSU is currently paid. Uh, if FSU were to withdraw, it would simply be that. The ESPN would still pay those per member amounts that they're already paying. In fact, that's what we saw with um, the addition of the three members, which those three members, who had been passed over uh, by other conferences, have now uh, agreed to portions of their uh, of their rights fees will be distributed among the members. In the case of one of the joining members, they'll actually forfeit all of their uh, rights, all of their uh, media revenues to the converse. So we believe it's an unenforceable penalty. Uh, it's important important to note that the unenforceability of the penalty drives that number to zero. So if the court determines that it's an unreasonable penalty, it doesn't attempt to reform the penalty and say, well, 570 million is too much, but you know we think 20 million is a number or, or any other number. Instead, the court invalidates the penalty and it is zero. There is a zero penalty at that point. So that's an important part of that claim. Next is a breach of contract claim. And we've listed out a number of uh, instances of breach of contract uh, in the um, in the complaint. And I only want to highlight a few of those here today. Um, and again, the contract is the uh, constitution and bylaws of the ACC, as long as they're acknowledged contractual commitments to its members. 
So first and foremost, uh, the ACC has failed to appropriately uh, give FSU the value of its athletic program media rights. In fact, they diluted those agreement those rights going forward. Uh, also, they amended the 2016 Tier 1 agreement without securing the approval of two-thirds of its directors as required by ACC bylaws. Uh, the ACC extended for no consideration the unilateral ESPN nine-year option under that T 2016 agreement. Uh, taking it all the way out to 2025 uh, for that exercise period. Um, they committed to uh, an unheard of period of 20 years for media rights. And as I said before, uh, other conferences have two and sometimes three bites at the apple as to what their media rights are being valued at in contracts compared to what FSU has faced, having been stuck with that 2012 negotiation. Our next complaint uh, count is for breach of fiduciary duty. Uh, it tracks in many respects the um, the contractual obligations and the ACC does have fiduciary duties to its members. We also have included a count for fundamental failure of frustration of contractual purpose. I think the title of that says it quite well. The whole purpose of the uh, relationship and the contract with the ACC was for them to appropriately look out for their, their members, pardon me, their members, and also to, uh, to maximize their revenues, and they've utterly failed to do that. The last count is for unconscionability and violation of uh, public policy. Clearly, it's not uh, consistent with public policy to uh, impose the, the penalties uh, and, and inferior contracts on FSU uh, that the league has done. So we're prepared to file uh, this complaint today, and we're hopeful that you will authorize us to do so. And I welcome any questions. Thank you, David. Um, I want to go to the president um, and ask uh, President McCullough if he would like to comment uh, uh, at this point. <clears throat> uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, first of all, I think I would like to thank the board members for assembling today on short notice. Uh, this obviously is a an extremely uh, serious matter. Uh, I want to make sure that everyone understands that I fully support the board's decision. If they decide to take this legal action, I would support it. Um, we have, as Chairman Collins has said, uh, we've been working on this for a long time uh, and making this consideration. I've said from the very beginning that all options are on the table for Florida State University to maximize our potential. As a fiduciary for this university, I find that <clears throat> after exploring uh, all options, uh, we I feel that we are left with only this option as a way to uh, maximize our potential as uh, an athletics department, and it's best for Florida State University. Uh, <clears throat> we, like as the chairman said, we've been working on this for probably over a year now. Uh, it it is difficult because the the contracts are are not available to us, and so if we want to view them, we have to go to the conference office and look at them, which I don't really understand uh, exactly why somebody would operate in that way. That's that's sort of not the way business is generally done. Uh, one wonders if that's a protection mechanism or, or what, I don't know, <clears throat> but it takes a lot of work 
as we when we view these contracts uh, uh we can't make copies of them and so it it's 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 laborious for us to uh, to do this investigation, but we have looked at it. We've considered all the options. I've spoken with, I think everybody on the board, I believe, or, or Chairman Collins has, and uh, I appreciate all of your support. Uh, as Chairman Collins said, I want to make sure that people understand that uh, we're in the sunshine. So we're doing this publicly because we're required by law. Uh, that's something that got lost last time. And, you know, this is not, this is certainly not where I would prefer to have end up, ended up. Uh, I think that I would prefer a different pathway, but I feel that we have uh, in many ways exhausted all our options uh, because these things are timely. And you can't wish and hope that somehow they'll get fixed uh, in the next year, two, three, four, or five. By that time, I don't think that we'll be competitive. the 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 bottom line is, um, it's there's no reason to to hide it. Um, collegiate sports is supported by financial revenue that comes into the university, and that revenue supports the ability of our programs to to compete at the highest levels. It's just factual, uh, and that is the situation that we have. For us to remain competitive, um, uh, I think uh, maybe in 20 years, I think we've obviously shown that we can compete with the best of them. We were 13-0 and 0 and were denied a CFP spot. <clears throat> obviously, we did we did our part, uh, but we, we missed uh, the CFP invitational. So, you know, it's it's time for us to try to uh, do something about it. As Chairman Collins said, this is not a reaction. This is something that we've done a lot of due diligence on. We've, we've spent a lot of time looking at it very carefully. <clears throat> we've considered all the aspects. And at the end of the day, as David so uh, wonderfully um, presented to us, we don't have – it's it's not um, – reasonable for us to freely decide the fate of our athletics program. And uh, without that, how, that means we're essentially bound by, uh, by this, uh, this onerous penalty, uh, which was created uh, completely superfluously by the ACC. So, I thank you all very much for all you do for the university. I, I, you know, I wish that we were in a different position and in a different place, but we are not. And we need to do what's best for this university and for our athletics department. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, A.D. Alford, would you like to comment at this time before we go to Q&A? Uh, yeah, thank you, Chairman, and thank you, President, for your comments, and Chairman, for your opening comments, and uh, thank you, Councilor Ashburn, for a very well-prepared presentation. Appreciate all your hard work on it. As I sit there and listen to it, um, you know, some of it, we had discussed some I hadn't heard before, and it, it really points to the mismanagement of previous conference administration in stewarding future finances for our best interests 
it became very clear. You know, the future of college athletics is really at a crossroads. I think Chairman and I talk about that a lot. President and I talk about that a lot. Uh, whether it's no media contracts that present financial challenges or proposed recent changes uh, by the NCAA, that's going to impact everyone in this industry's operation budgets moving forward. Um, here at Florida State, we have to evaluate all of our options and make decisions here that are going to have a 10, 20 year impact on us. And some of those we don't even see or feel in the immediate effects of it. But as I as I sit here, you know, this isn't a relationship decision or an issue at all. It is a simple math problem, a very clear math problem. And it's an extremely difficult institutional decision, but us completely support the board's vote. Thank you, A.D. Offer. Um, I'm going to open it up to questions now from the trustees to uh, to Mr. Ashburn uh, on the complaint. As I said, most of you uh, had your one-on-ones. Uh, everybody was offered. I'm, I'm not sure if we had 100% uh, participation in the one-on-one, but you all uh, certainly have got had the complaint for a little while now. You've heard the presentation from Mr. Ashburn, and I would just open it up to uh, questions uh, from the trustees of, of Mr. Ashburn. Mr. Chairman? Yes, Trustee Weatherford. Thank you very much. Um, uh, uh, first, I just want to thank you for your leadership on this. I think on behalf of uh, myself and the rest of the board, uh, we can all agree that there's no better Noel who loves this university more than you, and and the time, energy, and effort you put into this is uh, astounding. Uh, I don't know yet how you have a day job um, anymore. And the same goes for you, President McCullough. I appreciate your leadership on this issue and just recognizing the importance of athletics, we know as one of the top academic institutions, this is just one of many issues that you have to deal with. But in my view, athletics is the heartbeat of, of our university and of every university for that matter. So thank you for making it a priority. One thing that I'm, I'm really hung up on is uh, and has been frustrating to me in the process and I think would be good for all of us to have a better understanding of is the grant of rights um, I've been dying to get my hands on it and to actually read it. Who has other than, I'm assuming, um, Carolyn Egan has been, yeah. can someone describe to me why it's so difficult for us to actually get a copy of this? Um, I have, I've been frustrated by my inability to fully understand what that agreement looks like. Um, and I think it would just be important for the board to understand, and frankly, the general public to understand um the challenges it is um to get access to that document mr chairman may i answer please council Egan. sure um we have unexecuted copies of the 2013 and 2016 grant of rights that i got off the internet actually and they are available on the internet from various places they have turned up what i what I don't have is a fully executed copy of any of the grant of rights. So we don't have a complete contract to work from on the grant of rights. We haven't been giving it, given it. And no one has, as far as I know, the multimedia rights agreement. So two different things we're talking about. The grant of rights itself, the two versions of it, 2013 and 2016. Um, I think some have been passed around online as these things go these days. Um, but but I don't have a full, an official complete copy, one that I can rely on as verified and complete. 
um, but I do have what the internet has. But the multimedia rights agreement is um, what is kept largely. Uh, I have never seen floating around in the internet or anywhere else, but and that is kept at the conference office. So, um, Councilor Egan, is it safe to say that when previous boards were making decisions on this contract, they also didn't have visibility to this multimedia rights agreement? That's true. The conference, uh, the multimedia rights agreement is between the conference and the network only, um, and there's not a direct participation in that negotiation. What Mr. Ashburn talked about earlier about the conference is your agent to do your highest and best negotiation at the at the table in their contract with the network. So we do not have a seat at that table, but our agent is supposed to execute their duties for us. Got it. And, and last question, in order to access it, um, my understanding is that you have actually been up to the conference headquarters. Can you describe mm -hmm. to us how you have to go about accessing that document? Sure, it is heavily monitored. Um, there is a representative of the conference in the room with us at the time that we um, review it. We are not permitted to take photos or um, verbatim text. So I have um, the personal recollection of it. Thank you. Thank you, Trustee. Yeah, thank you. Trustee Thiel? I just had a sort of a general question. If an event, if that's the case, if, the, if they're the sole agent, He's frozen. I know. <laughs> We're going to go to uh, Trustee De Los Cuevas Diaz, and then we'll come back to Trustee Thiel. Sorry, Trustee Thiel. Thank you, Chairman. <clears throat> Just as a point of clarification, um, Carolyn, if you, I, I know we've all seen the the quote unquote copies on the internet, but since we actually don't have an executed copy, we're not even sure that what's on the internet is accurate and the executed copy, correct? Trustee De Las Cuevas Diaz is our resident uh, board member attorney, which is such a gift to me. And she knows that a contract that you would, or document would, you would rely on in court would be a true, accurate, and correct uh, copy that would have original signatures on it, preferably in blue ink, so that you know that they're original. Thank you. May I also have a question? Okay, um, so David, uh, if you would walk us through the next steps. So let's say that we approve uh, this uh, filing today. Uh, talk to us about the timeline. Sure. So the next step is uh, immediately following this meeting, we're prepared to file the uh, complaint in uh, circuit court in Tallahassee. Uh, since you're represented by counsel, you're actually required to file electronically, uh, which is what we're doing. Um, just court processes being what they are, we will get an email acknowledgement today of the filing, but the it's at least probably likely that the uh, the case will not be assigned a case number and not be available in the court's website until possibly uh, the uh, day after Christmas. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, the next step is we will uh, serve the complaint. Uh, I think it's reasonable to expect we can uh, hopefully find some cooperation in the ACC actually receiving service of the complaint, as opposed to having a sheriff have to deliver it. Hopefully their counsel will accept service. 
they will then be required to file a response to the complaint. I'd, I don't want to speculate as to what their legal strategy will be, uh, but uh, that sets in motion the litigation process where uh, we have the, the opportunity to uh, gather additional information, uh, request and obtain actual copies of agreements that we otherwise have to go to the ACC office to eyeball uh, and uh, and then have the opportunity to review those. And then it, it's it's hopeful, I think, that we can have some meaningful discussions. Uh, I, I think it's reasonable to expect that um, other uh, other schools are, are going to read this story and the complaint that uh, some of them may have read before and are, are understood before and some may not. Uh, so we can't, again, I can't speculate as to what those outcomes will be. But we have not asked for any immediate uh, relief from the court. In other words, there's not going to be a preliminary injunction hearing or anything of that nature uh, that we request. We're simply going to pursue the normal course of litigation. Uh, and depending on how that goes with uh, with the cooperation we get from the other side, again, requesting documents, providing documents as requested and moving forward. Rusty Thiel, I see you're back. Uh, did you want to try again on your question? I apologize. It's a really a simple question. It just makes it clear in my mind. As agent, then, there's a clear fiduciary duty that a conference would accept in, the, in that position. Uh, yes, yes, we believe so. And, and in fact, um, the ACC, uh, that, that is part of the issue. I appreciate the question because uh, certainly it's reasonable for FSU and the other members to rely on the conference to fulfill its fiduciary duties to obtain proper uh, expertise and consultants. They retain them. Uh, we relied on their representations. Uh, as I mentioned before in my discussion about the ultimatum, uh, we certainly relied on the truth of those representations. Uh, and so we do believe there was a breach of fiduciary duty uh, in several instances that we talked about. Thank you. Uh, anybody else have any questions or comments? Uh, um, Chairman Holland, I, I just want to say that, you know, the Internet's a wonderful place. And when you read the comments, um, I just want to reiterate what you said. You know, this is not retaliatory. This is something that has been thought out. Um, for those of them that forgot the memory of our meeting in August, this was discussed before anything had ever happened. And, you know, in a perfect world, obviously being the lawyer, uh, we would love a negotiation, but that wasn't afforded to us. So we are doing what's in the best interest of the university at this moment. Um, but it's not, it's not a easy decision. It's not one that we haven't thought of. Um, and it's not personal against any other university um, within the conference. And I think it's just important for everybody to understand that um, this is a decision to hopefully better our situation as a university um, on something that we just feel that the only next step is, is this. And I want to thank, you know, you, the president, our, our lawyers, both in-house and out, because um, it's taken many, many hours to get here. And it's not something taken lightly. So thank you. And, you know, this is truly for the best interest of Florida State. Thank you. Uh, and I agree with that. And I, I'm going to reiterate one more time. None, none of us would like to would, would or look forward to doing this in public. But we have no choice, right? Sunshine law, there's a lot of other states that don't have the laws that we have and the constitutional uh, aspects of the sunshine law. We have no choice but to do this publicly. So um, I just want to reiterate that again. Um, 
Councillor Egan, any closing comments or thoughts before we uh, ask people to vote on this? No, sir. Just my appreciation for this board's love of Florida State and um, application of their expertise, um, their thorough consideration of this. The questions I have gotten have been astute, critical, um, looked at this every way possible, and I appreciate everything the board has done to support me. Well, we appreciate it, um, and I'll, I'll do some of those thank yous at the end here. But um, so for us to move forward, we need a motion to approve the initiation of the seven count uh, FSU versus ACC lawsuit as explained by Mr. Ashburn. Motion to approve. Second, John Creel. Second, Trustee Thiel. Anybody opposed to this? Okay, seeing none, it passes. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Ashburn, please move forward uh, and and file the lawsuit. Uh, I just want again, I want to thank everybody. Everybody uh, on my screen right now has spent countless uh, hours on this, and uh, I just appreciate everybody's commitment to FSU and 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 commitment to understanding this and 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 a lot of other things um, that we ha we didn't, haven't talked about today. I would really appreciate the president. Uh, uh, digging in on this, um, uh, and and AD Alford digging in on this. Uh, as I said, uh, they have to deal um, with the other presidents and um, the other athletic directors. We don't have to do that. Uh, and I know that this probably puts them in a difficult position. Uh, but uh, you know, they're fiduciaries of Florida State, and they, you know, their job is to protect Florida State. And so um, I know we've made your life probably a little bit difficult, Mr. President and uh, AD Alford. Um, but I'm. I'm not apologizing for it, and I don't think any of us are apologizing for it. Um, and but I but I know at the same time you're you're up to it. So I really appreciate your time and 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 your effort on this. And I appreciate all the trustees. You know, we're, here we are. You know, three days before the for Christmas and and during the holidays, and everybody's traveling. And I appreciate everybody's attendance today. Um, uh, as we do in every mo meeting, um, there's time for open discussion. I don't know if anybody else has anything that they else uh, that they want to talk about. We have another board meeting come up at, coming up at the end of January. Um, but if anybody has something that they want to comment on uh, now, I'll, I'll give you that chance. Chairman Collins. Yes. Um, thank you. I guess the last thing that my last comment will really be centered around a um, couple things. One. Um, if nothing else, I, I hope this demonstrates to our fans, to our alum, and to our student athletes, just the commitment that our board has around athletics. Um, you know, we had a meeting before the season started where we kind of all agreed that um, we did not want to continue in an environment where we're simply playing games and not competing for championships. Never in a million years did I think that we could actually go undefeated and be in the situation that we're in. And so ultimately what we're fighting for here is not just our own interests at FSU, in my opinion. I also think we're just fighting for the spirit of true, the true competitive spirit. All we're looking for is an equitable, competitive environment where teams that are competing for a championship are waking up and playing by the same rules. And that's just frankly not the environment that we're currently in. And so I commend the entire board for being um, for, for, for working so hard on this and being so committed to it, because in my mind, um, albeit we are looking out for the best interest of our student athletes and our university, 
We're also fighting for just equitable competition, which I think everybody can get behind and be supportive of. Because without leveling the playing field, there's literally going to be, you know, 50 to 70 schools waking up every every year pretending to be competing for something they really have no chance to compete for. And that's not an environment that I think fans want, that alumni want, um, or frankly, even the conferences want for that matter. So the system is broken. I view this as us doing our part to look out for ourselves, but also take a step in the right direction to try to fix the system so that everybody, so that every student athlete actually has a chance to be rewarded for the hard work that they put in um, for, in some cases, decades. Um, my heart breaks for, for our team, um, just knowing what it's like to go through all of that and to be disappointed in the end. Um, so I commend you all. Um, I'm, I'm obviously uh, very passionate about this issue, being a former student athlete, and um, I'm excited about us doing a small part and hopefully fixing the overall uh, system. Thank you. Aaron Collins, may I? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to say, because it didn't get brought up, but it's, it's obvious with this, the yeah. revenue generating sports obviously fund the, the entire athletic program. And we've done so much work on Title IX. And as a dad of a daughter who played sports and and hopefully grandchildren, women's, we uh, play sports. We just had the national championship in Tampa of the women's volleyball, right? Where you saw these incredible young women just play their hearts out. And one of the greatest source of pride, my pride for Florida State over the last 10 years has been our women's sports program, which you mentioned it's it's prowess. And to think about the impact of this on continuing that legacy to me is critical. So yes, it's about football, but it's the engine that drives all this other source of pride and impact on young women uh, at Florida State University. So I, I just... As everyone has said, this is just so critical to our future and to the future of everyone in athletics, not just a football program. Well said, well said. Uh, you know, yeah, they just had the national championship in volleyball, but our women's soccer team just won its own national championship. <laughs> so don't forget that one. Um, well, I appreciate everybody. I, I um, appreciate everybody's time. I hope everybody has a, a great holiday and uh, doesn't think about this uh, for, for the next week or so. And um, uh, we'll see you, I'll see many of you at the bowl game uh, down at the Orange Bowl. And with that, we're adjourned. Thank you. Thank Happy you. holidays. Go Knowles. Thank you all. Go Knowles. Happy holidays. Go Knowles. Thank you.